Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Joshua Kahan, and today's daf is Shkalim Daf Dalad, page 4. Mishnah 3 of Shkalim begins to describe in detail the procedure for collecting the half-shekel tax. The announcement on the first of Adar was the first stage. On the 15th of Adar, money changers open temporary shops, like costume shops in October, to make sure that each person had precisely the correct denominations to make their contributions. That this had to happen in advance is actually crucial. It was essential to the process that each person give exactly the correct amount. The verses in Exodus 30 emphasize that the rich must not give more, nor the poor give less. Every Israelite had to have equal ownership over the tabernacle and, by the rabbi's extension, over the daily temple offering. The matter of making change is more subtle. Any money given to the fund in the temple immediately became property of the temple, and anything given to the temple instantly took on the status of hektesh, sanctified. Any use of hektesh items for non-sacred purposes was a serious violation of the sanctity of the temple itself. So the actual collectors of the funds in the temple treasury could not even make change for those who brought larger denominations, because the funds they had already in the box were hektesh, and could not be given back to someone to be used as regular currency. This role of making change therefore fell to the money changers. This also probably enabled those coming from further away who brought different currencies to exchange them for the proper coins to be given in the tax. There's one more group that plays a role in the collection process, the enforcers. The shekel tax was a kind of obligation, of which there are only a few, for which the rabbis describe an actual procedure for enforcement. The Mishnah says that beginning from the 25th of Adar, five days before the 1st of Nisan, they would start seizing mashkon, collateral, from those who had not yet paid. The Mishnah depicts the court sending out real, aggressive tax collectors who were empowered to exert real pressure on holdouts, an image that is rare in most other areas of rabbinic literature. There were certain categories of people who were not required to pay the tax, women, children, and slaves, though their contributions were accepted if offered. And then there were two categories of people who had a middle status. They were expected to give the shekel, but were not pressed if they did not do so. Now the first group brought brought this status upon themselves. These were children who gave the shekel once, and who were then expected to continue doing so. Now this reflects the Mishnah's general assumption, later in the Talmud rejected, that a child should take on each mitzvah at the age when he is capable of doing so, rather than having one one age when he becomes obligated in all mitzvot all at once. So the Mishnah describes one level of maturity 
when a child is able to sit by himself in a sukkah and a different level of maturity when a child is old enough to make the pilgrimage up to the temple. Now, there is therefore supposed to be a transition moment. Once a child is mature enough to do that particular mitzvah, he does not later regress and lose that ability. So once he begins, that means he's ready, and he is therefore obligated to continue. The exemption of children from paying this tax is thus fundamentally different from that of women. Children for the Mishnah become obligated the moment they show that, show that they are able to do it. Whereas women, exempt for reasons having nothing to do with competence, remain exempt even if they choose on a, on a given occasion to give the shekel tax voluntarily. Nonetheless, whether a child is ready or not is a determination made by the child and his family. The court does not keep a registry of who has begun to give. So they can only work off of a universal standard that of age. The child is now obligated but that obligation is not enforced by the court. The other middle group is priests. The Mishnah debates whether priests are obligated to give the shekel at all, and states that even if they are required, this requirement is not subject to court enforcement. Now, if the shekel tax is supposed to equalize all members of the nation, why wouldn't the priests be included in that? This is particularly confusing because the Mishnah explicitly includes the Levites in, their, in the requirement. So it can't be, for instance, a distinction between those who own land and those who do not. The issue has to do instead with the framework of other gifts given to the temple. There are different types of gifts that various people are expected to give to the temple and to the priests. There are offerings brought, of which parts go to the priests, there are gifts for the upkeep of the temple, and those meant to support the priests who ran the temple. Even the Levites, who received gifts of their own, had to give a portion of those tithes that they, re that they received to the priests. The priests themselves, though, did not give gifts. They only received them, or served as conduits for gifts to give to God. So it seems that this tax which is meant to pay for the regular offerings, would be no different and would not apply to the priests. But Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai rejects this. The priests claim exemption from this tax, he says, based on the precedent of the other temple gifts. But this one tax, says Rabbi Yochanan, is meant to unify the whole people. Its point is to put every Israelite on an equal footing rich and poor, elite and common. In the words of the verse, they shall give ze, this offering, and the word ze has a numeric value in gematria of 12, zayin is 7 and he is 5. And in this Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai finds a reference to the unity not only of classes but of all twelve tribes, thus including the entire tribe of Levi, including the Kohanim. This, he argues, is the context, the, the, the unique context that demands of the lofty priests that they acknowledge their equal membership in the nation, that they remind themselves, as the Torah also urges a king to remember, 
that they are nonetheless of the people, no matter their special roles. Ironically, it is precisely their attempts to exempt themselves from this tax, from this equalizing requirement, that reveals how deeply they need the reminder. Shalom. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.